jump right in where we left off last week. Um, let's go to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. Isaiah 40 and 31. I'll put it up on the screen. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 40 and 31. Praise God. Uh, I don't think he'd mind me telling you this. My dad will be uh, 83 next month. And um, I have been so blessed, amen, to have such a wonderful father um, who uh, trained me and taught me uh, and, and disciplined me and corrected me. Uh, but he did it all from a position of love, amen. The Bible doesn't just tell us to speak the truth. The Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. The truth can actually be harmful if you speak it out of, out of malice or vengeance. Um, but when you take the truth and you speak it in love, amen, it's a very, very, very powerful thing, amen. And so my mom and dad have stood for the truth, uh, and I don't just mean their version of it, I mean God's truth. Uh, for many years, they set an example for my brother and my sister and I as we were, as we were being raised. They didn't just talk about healing, they, they believed healing, they walked healing, they didn't just talk about faith, they, they lived faith and, 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 and produced faith, walked in faith. They didn't just talk about giving and tithing. They tithed and they gave and they taught us to do it. And um, I often say, I mean, we would get, I remember back in the day, 50 cents allowance, and they taught us to put a nickel in the offering plate. Amen. And um, so I don't want to exaggerate this, but um, I have at least tithed, you know, 10% on every penny, for that matter, I've, I've ever been given. And um, because my parents taught me to do that, um, if you... Again, some of you tie. He said tie three times. What is that? See, some folks don't even understand what it is. Amen. And um, so I am just very, very blessed and very thankful. I said this a week or so ago. Um, I think last Sunday we were driving up to Athens. You know um, how much better Matthew and Meredith and myself have it than my dad had it and my mom had it when they were coming up. How much better our children have it than we have it now and now how much better even our grandchildren um and so it's just the goodness of god and um you know i'm hesitant sometimes to even talk about these things because maybe you're struggling in your family or, or what have you but um I, I tell you that only because he's no respecter of persons and um you know my mom started walking to church when she was a little girl because she wanted something better for her family uh one day than what she was experiencing and um and I often, you know, say this, but, you know, it's, it's so true. Uh, it just in one generation of my mother's uh, family tree, uh, she has three children now in the ministry. So, you know, it's just amazing, you know, what the power of God can do in a life and a family. Um, and so um, I, I am blessed. Amen. And um, from time to time, people who uh, will, you know, pay some kind of compliment to me, um, they're very quick to uh, mention my parents, and I appreciate that because, um, you know, what the Lord is doing in and through my life would not have been possible without the, the training and the upbringing and, and, the, and the heritage of faith, amen, that uh, I am a product of. And so I love you, Dad. I appreciate you. And um, just thank, thankful, thankful, thankful for you. Amen. All right. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. It says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is another verse that's familiar to a, a lot of people. And, of course, you know, songs have been written about it and, you know, different phrases. Uh, 
you, you know that a verse from the Bible is, is very uh, prominent or popular when people who don't even know it's from the Bible use portions of it or phrases from it. And so, you know, this is uh, the case. Uh, eagle's wings, you often hear uh, people talk about, you know, rising up on eagle's wings and things of this nature without ever even realizing that it's something that, that's coming from the Bible, something that's coming from um, the Word of God. Um, we looked at this verse, though, last week in a literal translation because, you know, there's a lot of confusion when it comes to what it means to actually wait on the Lord. Um, and, you know, some people, you know, kind of view that as, uh, you know, just being idle, um, you know, like we're just sitting around waiting on God, you know, uh, twiddling our thumbs. You know, that is absolutely not what this means. Then there were others who said, well, maybe it means like serving the Lord, um, like a waiter serving a table. Those that wait on, those that, that serve the Lord um, shall renew their strength. Uh, I'm not saying that we shouldn't serve the Lord, uh, but that's not what this means either. Um, the, the word wait here uh, from a literal translation, and this is the Young's literal translation, it says, but those expecting Jehovah passed to power. They raise up the pinion as eagles. They run and are not fatigued. They go on and on and do not faint. So notice the word wait here in this literal translation is translated expecting. It's translated expecting. And we said last week that waiting equals expecting. Those who are, their expectations are not in their own ability but our expectations are in whose ability? Our expectations are in God's ability. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Um, and so this is what it means. Those who expect Jehovah, those who are expecting more in their daily life than they can produce, than you can produce, than I can produce on my own or with my own ability. Notice it says uh, in the literal translation, not just renew their strength, but that we pass to power. We pass to power. So, um, think of it like, and there's different ways um, maybe to, to explain this. Uh, I know the power was out at some point over the weekend here at the church. You know, when I got here this morning, you know, the, the alarm panel was, you know, letting me know that and different things. Um, but, you know, let's say that someone has, um, you know, electricity in their, in their house and the power goes out, but they have a generator. And it, and, it, and it shifts then to another power source. So now it's no longer a generator that's powering. It's no longer, you know, Alabama Power that's powering their house. Now they pass to a, to a different power source that's now powering their house. So when he's talking about those expecting Jehovah pass to power, he's talking about passing from your own strength and ability over into God's strength and ability. And this is where we were all created and designed by God to live. We were, we were never meant, listen to me please, we were never meant to be limited to what we can produce by our own efforts, by our own ingenuity, by our own ability. Now because we're beings created in the image and likeness of God, we, we have you know, reasoning capacity. We have, um, you know, things that we've learned through trial and error and, and, and experience. And, and just think of all the things that we've learned from other people that, that we now, you know, are able to build upon based upon what other people have learned and discovered. And listen, I'm, 
I'm not trying to confuse you this morning. I don't believe any of that's even possible without God and, 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 and things that he's put in place for us to find out and to discover. The Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings, you and I are kings, to search those things out. And so certainly God has put those things in place for us. But again, with all that said, we were, we were never meant to be limited to what we can figure out by ourselves never meant to, to be limited to what we can produce by our own efforts, our own uh, ingenuity, um, you know, rigging things together and, and, and so forth and so on. So how do we pass from our own ability and power into the ability and power that God has uh, prepared for us and made available to us? It, it comes back to expecting Jehovah. It comes back to where our uh, level of expectations uh, actually are. I'm not going to try to repeat all this. We talked about it last Sunday, but think about passing from um, not just one power source to another, passing from the 7th grade to the 8th grade. And, and we even commented on this a little bit Wednesday night. If I'm sitting in the waiting room at the dentist office, um, you know, I had a 2 o'clock appointment, it's 10 minutes after 2, I'm in the waiting room, but I'm expecting to be called. At 2.15, I have more expectation to be called than I had at 10 minutes after 2. In other words, the longer I go unfulfilled, the greater my expectation is. Are you seeing this? So, see, what happens with a lot of us, you know, we, we start out expecting God to do things and, and, and work and do things in our lives. But, you know, the, the longer it goes without coming into fruition, without, you know, it manifesting literally in our lives, our expectation tends to wane. Um, my friend, if, if, if you've been expecting God and believing God to do something in your life that you haven't seen fulfilled yet, you should be at a greater level of expectation now than, 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 than you were two days ago. Amen? Because, because again, you know, if, I, if my appointment was at 2 and at 2.30 they still hadn't called me, the next time that door opens, somebody's going to be calling my name. I'm exp- I'm, my expectation is increasing, not decreasing. This is one of the ways you can, you can discern whether or not you're actually in faith. Because if you've believed you've already received something that has not yet come to pass in your life, amen, then that means you're in a state of expectation. And those who expect Jehovah, what? What do they do? They pass to power. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back through these things because I just feel like, and, and, and we're going to connect some of this together with some of the things that we've been talking about earlier in the year, uh, in, in the coming days. But I just, I don't know if, if these things, I, I believe that they are, I pray that they are. Um, but let me just make some statements th- this morning once again. We were created to live on a level we can't get to on our own. Okay? Amen. Are you coming to terms with that? Do you understand that? Do you realize that? Does that, does that make sense to you? We hear a lot of talk in, in, in our world today, um, you know, about the next level and, and about, about this and about that. My friend, that's not just something that the world came up with. Amen. God is a next level God. We see things in his word like from faith to faith, uh, grace for grace. How about this one? This is one of my favorites. From glory to glory. He's, he's talking about from one level of glory to the next level of glory to the next level of glory to the next level of glory. Line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept. Paul said he is answering 
the call of God upon his life. And the call of God upon all of our lives, he said, is an upward call. Amen. Father is calling you and me to a higher place. He's calling us to that next level, that next level of faith, that next level of grace, that next level of glory. Amen. My friend, whatever you're dealing with right now, I got good news for you. Amen. There's another level. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, some, sometimes people ask me, you know, what's the, what's the long-term answer for, for drug addiction? Okay. Don't be offended at this, but the long-term answer is you grow out of it. Amen. You grow out of it. Amen. You, you move to three or four levels above it, and it's never a factor in your life ever again. Amen. You know, I was thinking about, and I, and I, and I, I, I'm, I tend to analyze things um, like I'm, I'm never the smartest person in any room, but I, I'm, a, I'm at least as curious, if not more curious, than every person in this room. Um, it seems like my grandson, Oliver, uh, has received that from me. Um, how many times have you heard me say that um, I'd get a, some kind of gadget or some kind of gift for Christmas and after a few days I'd start trying to take it apart because I wanted to know what made it work? Um, the other day he was in his car seat riding down the road and Bethany kept hearing something pop. And she looked back there and he had this little bubble gum, bubble gun that shot bubbles with a fan and he's already got part of the plastic peeled back, and he's trying to get the other part peeled back. And Bethany says, whoa, Oliver, what, what are you doing? He says, I want to know what makes it do that. Right? And I'm like, I can relate, son. Amen. I can relate, right? So there, there, there is a, um, a, a, a certain level of, of um, uh, you know, curiosity uh, uh, about things and, 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 and wanting to... To, to look into things and, and, to, and to understand things. Amen. I, I, praise God. I got, I was sitting back in my office this morning and I'm like, Lord, which of these 120, I'm not kidding you. I think I have 125 slides. I'm like, Lord, I don't even know where to start, much less where to end this thing this morning. Praise God. But anyway, let me get, let me get back to this. We were created to live on a level we cannot get to on our own. Amen. And so what I, what I want you to understand is that if, you know, the, the answers that we're looking for, um, you're not limited to, to what you have right now. Let, let me keep going through the list. We were created to have things no amount of money, work, or sacrifice can earn. We were created to become something we can never make ourselves. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right. Let me, let me go back to the, the curiosity um, and analyzing things. People told me for years, you know, how, um, you know, it's great to be a father, but wait till you're a grandfather. They're like, you, you can't put it into words. And I'm like, well, I mean, try, you know, help me here, you know, I mean, you know. And they just do their eyes and do their, you know. And, um, and so, again, I understand some things, you know, have to be caught, can't be taught. In other words, you just have to experience it for yourself. And, you know, I had, a, I had a friend of mine, we, he has a granddaughter, first granddaughter, about the same age as, um, as Oliver, and so we are all the time showing, you know, sharing pictures of one another and talking about it. And he said the other day, in front of a lot of people, I'm like, man, you ought to be saying that. He said, I just told them all. I told my wife, I told my children, I told them all. So I ain't never loved anybody like that kid right there. And I'm like, easy, dude, you know what I'm saying, you know? That's just, you know, that's kind of a, he's, well, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. And so I, I was thinking about that. I'm like, Father, you know, why, 
why is what I feel for Oliver different even from what I feel for, for my children when they were that age? That, that's, that's different. And I, I'm sitting here trying to like do all this deep analysis and generational this and all the other stuff. And finally the Lord said, you're way overthinking it, son. You're failing to factor in how much you've grown since your children were born and now your grandson's born. Amen. Hopefully I'm not as selfish 26 years later. Are you following me? There was this, you know, we, we try to come up with all these you know, crazy answers. You know, I hadn't told my friend that yet. I'm like, buddy, the reason, you're, you're, you know, it's not that you don't love your children. Amen. It's just... Hopefully, at 54, I have a greater capacity to love and be loved selflessly, amen, than I had when I was 25 and Bethany was born. Come on now, is anybody picking up what I'm putting down this morning? Amen. So, we were created to live on a level we can't get to on our own. The Bible talks about us always increasing in our love experience, not just our ability to be loved, but our ability to love, not in word, but in deed and in truth. Praise God. I know more about love at 54 than I knew at 25 when Bethany was born. Are you understand what I'm saying? I, I, I know more about um, taking up my cross. I know more about putting other people first. I've, got, I've had a lot of more experience and practice, and, and, and I've gotten better at it. But let me, not that I've arrived. Amen. Are you hearing me? At 108, 54 years from now, right? Just think how, how much better I'm going to be able to love other people. Are you following me? So this, this whole idea that, 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 you know, whatever we've gotten out of life up to this point is all there is. The devil's lying to you. Amen. There's more levels of grace. There's more levels of faith. There's more levels of glory. There's more levels of wisdom. There's more levels of, 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 of understanding and sacrifice. My friend, if, if you read the Bible carefully, everything that it says in, in, in conjunction with walking in love is that this pathway of, of loving other people and putting other people's interests ahead of your own and, and sacrificing yourself and laying down your life for other people, this is the pathway to genuine joy. This is the pathway to increased joy in your life. Are, are, are you understanding what I'm saying here? In other words, the greater capacity we have to love and express love, selfless love, the God kind of love, the greater capacity we have to experience an, an, an increase in joy. So many, so many people in the body of Christ, they, they look at walking in love as like some kind of downer. Laying down your life for somebody else as... As, as just the most horrible way to live that we could ever live and there's just no joy in it and it's just all pain and suffering and blah, 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 blah. My friend, think about it for a moment. If you've swerved into it in your life, when you, when you give and you do and you sacrifice for other people, the joy that you experience from, from doing that. See, this is, a, this is another one of those paradoxes associated with the life of God, associated with the Christian life. If you want to be great, you've got to be humble. If you want to receive, you've got to give. If you want to find true joy, you've got to quit trying to find it for yourself and, and sow it into, bring joy into the lives of other people, and it'll come back to you as a tidal wave of joy. 
Because we were created to experience emotions we cannot generate on our own. We were created to experience emotions we cannot generate on our own. Depression has become the common cold of mental illness. There's so many people in our world today who are struggling with depression. And, and no doubt, I mean, if, if there were 15 people in this room, there's far more than that. If there are only five people watching online, and there's far more than that this morning. But if, it's, if the group was much smaller, there would still be people in that group that struggle uh, with, with, with bouts of or periods of or times of depression in their lives. Listen to me, please. I'm not trying to trivialize what you, what you deal with and what you go through. But, but those who expect Jehovah passed the power, amen, the power of God can lift you above it, amen. See, so many of the world's answers involve trying to stay two steps ahead. It it involves like trying to outrun addiction, trying to outrun depression, trying to stay two steps ahead, trying to outrun a snowball of debt that's chasing you throughout your life on even into your retirement years. Listen to me. You cannot outrun these things, but you absolutely can rise above them. Amen. You can rise above them. That next level. Amen. You realize there's a level in life where you have no debt. There is a level in life that you can live on this side of heaven where there is no fear, where there is no worry, where you're not tormented by these things. This is not some pie in the sky. This is not some carrot in front of a donkey. This is not some kind of promise of abundant life that never becomes fulfilled. These these are the things that, that the next level of faith, the next level of grace, the next level of glory will take you to. The, 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 the question then remains is, how, how do we get there? And notice, again, those who expect Jehovah. Those who expect Jehovah. We were created to experience emotions we cannot generate on our own. 1 Peter 1.8 talks about it. A joy that's unspeakable. A joy that, that, is, that, is, that is so full of the glory of God that's, that's in your life that you do not have words, at least English words, to express it. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. My friend, there's, there's nothing money can buy that will produce that level of joy in you. The only way to experience that kind of joy in your life is to receive it from an outside source, your Creator Father. Along with this unspeakable joy filled with glory in 1 Peter 1.8 is peace beyond your ability to comprehend. In Philippians 4 and 7, think about that for a minute. Peace beyond your ability. Peace that goes beyond your understanding. Peace in your life that is incomprehensible. (laughs) If it goes beyond your comprehension, then guess what? It, it, It goes beyond you. It's a peace that comes from God. It's the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. His peace. Amen. His joy in your life. We were created to know things we can't learn from our own efforts. We were created to do things we cannot do alone. We were created to see things beyond the ability of our natural eyes. It seems like the Bible says something like this, not to not look at the things which we can see physically, but to live our lives focused on the things that are invisible, focused on the things that we can't see with our physical eyes. 
that we live our lives in light of the realm of God's Spirit. We live our lives uh, understanding that there's more to life than meets the eye. And that with the eyes of faith, with the eyes of our spirit, that, that we live our lives focused on these things. Do you remember when the, I won't go through the whole story, but do you remember when the prophet was surrounded, uh, I believe it was the, the Syrian army, and his servant was panicking, and the prophet prayed that his eyes would be opened because there was more for them than were, there were against them. And, you know, that, that, uh, that servant's kind of counting one, two, you know, it's like, no, there's just two of us, and there's a whole bunch of them. And the Lord opened his eyes, and he saw the, 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 the flaming chariots of, of God's angel army that had surrounded the, the Syrian army. You see, we were created to live with that kind uh, of, of vision. The Bible says that, that Moses lived his life as if he was seeing him who is invisible. We were created to see things beyond the ability of our natural eyes. We were created with potential we will never tap into apart from faith in God. We were created to live on a level we cannot get to on our own. And what do we say? And we know it. We know it. So here's, here's my question. Are you expecting more than you can produce on your own? I know, listen, listen to me please, okay? I am, I'm, I'm, uh, I am at rest this morning. I am at peace. I am, I am not struggling, okay? But those of you who have been around here for a little while, you know that we kind of get to points sometime that as much as I want to push past them, we're just not ready to push past them yet. Amen. The, the, these statements and these questions, I, I, want, I want the Holy Spirit and I want you to give the Holy Spirit place in your life to, to begin to allow these things to challenge you, to begin to allow these things to, 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 to motivate you. Um, how about this? Um, I, I told you on Wednesday night that I had something happen to me uh, uh, on, uh, let's see, Tuesday morning. And I'm going to share that with you here uh, in, in just a moment. Um, but let me, let me do this first. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle John says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you. Does it say for your sake? No, it says for His name's sake. We see this in different places throughout the Word of God, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Where God says to His people, I have forgiven you, for my benefit. In other words, God is saying that God has forgiven us for His benefit. Think about that for a moment. See, we have a tendency to only look at these things in light of what they mean to us. We have a tendency to look at our salvation only in light of how much better off we are because we've been saved. And we fail to look at it from the heart of a father. We fail to look at it from the heart of, a, of our heavenly father who has not just forgiven us for our benefit, but he has forgiven us for his benefit. Because our sins separated us from him. 
And He didn't want us to be separated from Him because He loves us. Listen to me. He didn't just love you when you got saved. The Bible says He loved you while you were yet a sinner. Jesus died for you while you were, were literally living your life as far away from what God created you to be and, and, and live as you could possibly live. It didn't mean that He didn't love you when you and I were living in that state. Are you hearing me? Praise God. You see, there is a longing for you in his heart that can only be temporarily, minutely understood by any father in this room who has a longing for their children. And the Bible's very clear. If, if as earthly fathers we have this kind of longing in our heart for our sons and daughters, for our grandsons, our granddaughters, how much more does our Heavenly Father love us and how much more will He give good things to us? As a matter of fact, how much more will He give to us the, the most precious thing in heaven? His Son and then His Spirit. He's given both to us. He's forgiven us for his namesake. Not just how it reflects upon you, how it reflects upon him. God's kingdom is not a democracy, if you haven't figured this out by now. It's a monarchy. Amen. What's the difference? The difference is the king's word is the final word. You don't vote on it. It's 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 it would it would be funny if it wasn't so sad that our world today thinks that they can just decide God don't know what he's talking about. And you have to remember, my friend, every word that God has ever spoken to mankind has been for mankind's best interest. Amen. Amen. Because he loves us and because he wants what's best for us. In a monarchy, the well-being of the subjects of that kingdom are a reflection on the king of that monarchy. In other words, if, 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 a, if, if, if a king is, is presiding over a realm and the people under his rule are, are suffering and, 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 and have no resources, have no opportunities, have no food, have none of this, that reflects poorly on that king. Are you following me? Our lives are a reflection, or at least created to be, designed to be a reflection of God himself. So he's forgiven you for his name's sake. Paul said that he received grace and salvation, listen very carefully now, because Father God wanted to reveal His Son in me. Think about that for a moment. It's true of every person in this room. Father God saved you because He wants to reveal Jesus in you. How about this one from Psalm 106 and verse 8? Nevertheless, He saved them for His name's sake. That he might what? That he might make his mighty power known. See, again, we, we tend to look at this from our perspective. And we tend to consider the
the power of God as something off limits and and maybe on occasion, rare opportunity, when things are really bad, that God will do something to help us. My friend, listen to me. He saved you for His namesake. He forgave you for His namesake. He had a plan for your life before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, a plan that could not be realized unless He made provision for you and for me to come out from under the curse of sin and to receive His life inside of us. Now the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of each one of us making alive our mortal bodies. He wants to live in you. He wants to live through you. He wants to shine in you. He wants to shine through you. He wants to work in you. And He wants to work through you. He wants to make His power known to you in your life and through you, through your life. This great power of God. Well, I've been confessing that I'm expecting more today than I can produce on my own. I'm encouraging you to do that. I'm expecting more than I can produce on my own. Remember now, the job, the job of the prophet is, one of the jobs of the prophet is to give you something to say. So I'm trying to give you something to say. Start saying that. Start saying that and watch watch how it starts to turn your heart. I'm getting I'm getting into stuff that I don't have time to get into, but let me just let me just make this one statement and then I want to tell you about something that happened on Tuesday and then we'll be finished for today. Okay? If you are not expecting more than you can produce on your own, then who have you put your trust in? You see that? If all you're expecting in life and out of life is what you can come up with, what you can produce, what you can earn, what, what you can make happen, then that means your trust is in yourself. Your confidence is in you. But if I approach each day of my life with, Father, I'm going to do my best to live for you today, but I'm expecting far more from this day than I deserve, than I can earn, or than I could ever produce on my own. See, now I've just given my faith a vehicle to start expecting Jehovah, which means I'm now in a prime position to pass to power. You see the difference there, right? It's kind of like when I encourage you to start confessing every morning that your life is not your own to do with as you please. That was back when we were learning about the fear of God. And we thought that was, you know, if the fear of God could speak, that was one of the things the fear of God would say. My life's not my own to do with as I please. I've been bought with a price. Amen. I'm far more to Father God than a lump of clay, and he's far more to me than a potter. But he's the potter, and I'm the clay. And I can never lose sight of that because that's where my relationship with him began. It's not where it ends, but it's where it began. And as I began to confess that, something amazing happened in my life. Amen. I was doing that, you know, to develop a greater sense of the fear of God in my life. And the more I, the more I confessed that, the more I realized, you know what, my life's not my own to do with as I please. And since my life is not my own to do with as I please, the peace that started flooding my heart every morning, you know. And so in the same way, if you'll start confessing, 
I'm expecting more from this day than I can produce on my own. Now, I'm confessing that as I'm driving to my class on Tuesday morning. As always, I had my notes ready, but there was a question in one of the previous classes, and so we were trying to wrap up some of, some of those answers. And I kind of, you know, when I say got on a roll, I don't mean that. It was, it was anointed. The Holy Spirit was, was, was on me, and I was, um, I was shelling the corn. I mean, I was having me a good time, all right? And all of a sudden, Siri on my watch says, okay, I will send that. There's a witness right there. Okay, okay, I will send that. And I was like, what in the world? And people in the class were like, what in the world? Well, I said, I said something silly like, man, there's your distraction, isn't it? And I, and I just kept going. Okay. Now, in, in the remainder of that class, I was telling that group of men and women how Jesus wants to be real to you. And I used an example um, that I learned from John Eldridge that when you send a text message... A text message is only a one-dimensional communication. And so if you try to, like, make a little joke or something, sometimes it can come across funny. And so that's why we do emojis, because what you read in black and white on a text message, it, it's, it's very difficult to communicate emotion and very difficult to communicate uh, on, on a more deeper or intimate level. And I, and I pointed out to them that that's how a lot of people, so I was even talking about text messages in, in there, that's how a lot of people know Jesus. They only know him one-dimensionally from what's written in the Bible about him in black and white. But if you'll look closely, you'll see that he's a very real person. And then we went to the end of the book of John. And this is after Jesus was raised from the dead. And if you think about it, he could have been levitating four or five feet off the ground in glowing white raiment, clothing, um, saying to the men who had gotten tired of waiting and went back to fishing, went back to their old lives, their old lifestyle, their old way of doing things. Jesus is on the shoreline, and they fished all night again and caught nothing. Anybody remember this from the beginning of the ministry, their, the first time they met Jesus? But instead of, instead of you know, elevating off the ground, levitating off the ground and, and, and standing there in glowing white robes, um, Jesus disguised himself as a tourist and asked them if the fish were biting. They said, no, sir. And then he says to them, I bet, can you imagine the grin that he was conceiving? Why don't you try on the other side of the boat? They threw on the, now, do you see the playfulness? Do you see, do you see the fun? Do you see the real Jesus shining through here? So this is, this is the context of, of, of the class Already, okay, I'll send that, has already happened. Okay. Peter realizes it's Jesus. It's the Lord. He, he jumps in the water, swims to shore. I think it's like 100 and almost 200 yards, I think he swam, instead of waiting for the boat. When they get to the shore, Jesus has fixed them breakfast. See, we talk a lot about the Lord's Supper, and again, we picture him standing there and posed and all this other stuff. The Lord's Supper is very important, very powerful, but just as pivotal in these men's lives was the Lord's breakfast. 
So he's spending time with them, he's talking to them, and all of a sudden business kicks back in. And they say, oh man, wait, we've got to take care of these fish. We've we got to count these fish. We've got to get these fish taken care of. And Jesus is like, I believe the tone was, come on guys, we've got something more important here than fish and counting fish. And by the way, counting fish is, is messy work. Fish don't hold still for you to count them. So Jesus went ahead and told them there's 153 fish in that net. And so I told the class last Tuesday morning, I said, Jesus wants to help you count your fish. He wants to be involved in anything in your life that you'll have him be involved in. And he loves to do things unexpectedly just to let you know that he's there and just to let you know that he loves you. This, this was the whole vein of the class. Well, I go back out and I get in my truck and I'm like, you know, who, who did I text? What, what is all that about? So here is... The text, are you ready? My baby sister Meredith, she sent me and Pam a text that said this. Me and Mark, for those of you who don't know, my sister, my sister's husband's name is Mark also, Mark Whiten. She said, me and Mark are leading the Bible study this Wednesday night at our church. New thing for me. Will y'all pray for us? Well, Pam got the, the text message, and she responded yes and said some kind things or whatever. When Siri said, okay, I'll send it, this is what she sent from what I said from my class. So I'm going to read it. Meredith, me and Mark are leading the Bible study this Wednesday night. New thing for me. Will you all pray for us? Reply from me. You were actually given that purpose before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. But not just given purpose, given purpose and grace. Grace means God's help, God's ability to carry out the purpose. She pulled what I said. I, I, stand with me this morning. So guess what? Wednesday morning, I go back to class and I say, who remembers yesterday when Siri said, okay, I'll send that? Yeah, yeah. I pulled out my phone. I said, Any, anybody remember when I said this in class yesterday? Yeah, I remember that. I said, this was what my sister had sent me and this is what, I guess, does this mean Siri spirit field? What does this mean? <laughs> guess if he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through a computer watch. I don't know. Remember now, I told him that he'll just kind of sneak up on you and do unexpected things just to let you know. And I'm sitting there telling them he will do that, and he did it. It's just like a good, good father, isn't it? It's just like a good, good father. Praise God. I told my son this this morning. I haven't had a chance yet to tell Bethany. I've been blessed with two children who have been very easy to parent. And I know that's not the case with everybody. One of the things that I told the Lord when I said yes to the ministry was that I've seen the ministry take a toll on so many families and specifically so many pastors' children. 
said, Father, you're going to have to help me with that. And he said, well, raising your children is the most important job you'll ever have, more important than any other job I ever give you. I said, yes, sir. I said, well, if you'll help me. I said, but I do, I do not want the ministry to take a toll on my children. He said, include them in it. Include them in it. And so when, when John Mark was just a you know, few years old, Bethany was just a few years old, but they were past helping us pastor this church. But of all the things that I'm grateful for this morning, and it's many, okay, as a father, I am so grateful to have, to have two children who have been very easy and enjoyable and even fun to father. Okay. Why do I tell you that? Because I want to be easy and fun and enjoyable for my heavenly father to father. Amen. I, I want to make it, I want to, I want to make it, enjoyable for him as, as my dad, as my Abba. Amen. You follow what I'm saying? Amen. Father, as we stand before you today, we thank you for your great love for us. Oh, you, you sang it to us and through us, Father, through Matthew by the Spirit this morning. Happy Father's Day. My Abba in heaven, my Father, how you love me. Lord, as my friend and brother Chris said, you know, to know that we're important to you. We matter to you. This isn't some silly game with you, Father. This, this is real. It's eternal. And we embrace that this morning. Father, all of us at times in our lives have, have been um, less fun and less enjoyable for you to Father than at other times. But Lord, as we stand before you this morning, we want to just commit ourselves afresh and anew to being sons and daughters in the earth that bring you joy. Sons and daughters in the earth that realize it's not just about what you've done for us, it's about what it means to you. That you have redeemed us so that you can reveal your son in us. That, that you have saved us from destruction so that you can make your power known through us. And so, Father, we give you this morning the gift of our expectation. We are expecting Jehovah to do more in and through and with our lives than we can produce on our own. We were created for it, Father. Whatever that next level may be for every person in this room, I thank you, Lord, that we're moving on up. We're rising up and we're raising, Lord, you're raising us to that next level for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. I love you. Thank you for being here this morning. If you see a dad standing around you, wish him happy Father's Day.